Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 75 of Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm doing round two with Brent Weaver of YouGurus, who walks us through the exact sales process he teaches agencies to help them close five and six-figure deals. We spent a lot of time on the show talking about the methods for generating more leads through strong positioning and marketing and how to use roadmapping to do paid discovery and act as a stepping stone to selling bigger deals. We haven't actually spent that much time tearing down what that sales process looks like. If you're like most agencies, you didn't start out charging the big bucks for your service. and Instead, you slowly moved up the ladder as you gained more experience and probably more importantly, gained more confidence. The trouble is, is that if you're trying to sell a $20,000 project, the same as a $2,000 project, you aren't going to have much success. In our chat, Brent breaks down what he calls the interaction model for sales, which is a battle-tested method for closing those bigger deals. This is the first time he's really opened up the kimono and shared this publicly, so you're in for a treat. If you're struggling to raise your rates, this is the advice that you need to hear. But even if you're already selling those five and six figure deals, getting even just one tip to improve that sales process you have is going to pay huge dividends. So this is an episode that is something for just about everybody. So without further ado, here's Brent Weaver of You Gurus. Brent, thanks for coming on the show today. Great to be here, Andy. So you were on episode 37 of the podcast back in August of last year. And in that show, we covered the process you developed to build a profitable agency. Today, though, we're going to get a little bit more specific and focus on the sales process part of the equation. Before we dive into that, though, for listeners who aren't familiar with you, can you share a bit of your background and how you help agency owners today? Absolutely. And Andy, thanks for inviting me back. Hopefully that's a, a good sign that uh, <laughs> our, our content information is, is well received with your audience. I think what you guys are doing at Hubstaff is, uh, is amazing. So thanks again for having me on again. And um, yeah, so I, I'm the CEO and co-founder of YouGurus. Uh, you can think of us as a business school for digital agencies. We have a 10-week accelerator program where we take uh, digital agency entrepreneurs and we help them create a strategy, a sales system, and an operational system to uh, sell and deliver high-value projects. Um, We tell people that they need to be doing high-value work for high-value pay, so work that really creates a lot of impact and difference for your clients and get you paid uh, for that work very handsomely. Uh, That's really our, our ethos, so whenever anybody in our community celebrates a win, we always get really excited, like they want to 100k project or a 50k project or, or whatever big is for them, uh, whatever high value is for them. So that's what we spend our days doing. Nice. And because when we talked last time, I mean, it, it's a story that a lot of agency owners can relate to. It's where they get stuck on that plateau of maybe the three to $5,000 website. And it's kind of breaking into that five figure range that is so difficult. So we cover a lot of that back in episode 37. So if any listeners want some more details, definitely check that episode out. Brent shared a ton of great actionable nuggets in that. So please check that out. But today, like I said, I want to dive into the sales process specifically. So I know with your background, you ran a digital agency. When you started out, how were you approaching sales? Uh, And this is pre-Google. So how I was approaching (laughs) sales, I I didn't have the fortune of putting into Google like how to sell a website or how to uh, how to sell a high value project. Uh, a friend of mine's dad was a business person. So that was the closest thing I had to uh, somebody that might know how to uh, help me with sales. And so I, uh, I emailed him and said, Hey, I've got this big opportunity. Uh, they asked me for a proposal. And you know, I never even talked to this client. I said, give us a proposal for a website. And so I was like, Okay, I guess I should create a proposal. Uh, so how do I do that? So you know, email friend's dad, he emails back, okay, put this stuff in your proposal. He gave me like a rough outline of a proposal, just some bullet points. And I created this, I don't know, 10 page 
history and story of myself. Basically, you know, the, the background was 90% of it because I didn't have any real, I, I didn't know what I was proposing for, but I just said, you know, website, you know, several thousand dollars or whatever. No scope of work, no uh, discovery was done. I didn't have any idea what they really were trying to do for their business or organization. And I sent over the proposal. Needless to say, I did not get that deal. Uh, but, you know, it was it was a first stab at a proposal. And I feel like um, that was kind of how it went for me over the years was, you know, try something, see how it works, iterate on that, continue to experiment and try it, stuff on that. And that was really how I, I ran or, or sold for the first seven years of our business was really through trial and error, um, which, you know, I was slowly improving over time, but it was a really, really long, arduous, painful journey on learning how to sell. Uh, and I did a lot of things extremely uh, wrong or just, you know, I didn't know any better. Over those seven years, over that period of time when you're figuring things out and, and near the end of it, when you feel like you have a good grasp on how to sell, what did that process look like? Well, so the, the seven years I was doing it wrong and then the next five years was when I started to do it right. So I think I always call it my status quo process because the same process that I was using all the way up basically up to 2007 is the same process that I hear so many people today use, which is a client or opportunity uh, calls you, emails you, whatever, reaches out, wants to do some business with you, says, hey, I need a website or I need you know automation or I need email or I need marketing or I need an app. And you, they say, okay, what do you need? Let's jump on a call and you can tell me what you need. So you get on this call and you say, you know, tell me about what you need with your website. And you have this hour-long conversation. Sometimes it's even longer than that. Maybe it's two hours or three hours or whatever. Sometimes the phone call comes in out of the blue. And it's just somebody calls you in the middle of your day. And you're doing something else. And you pick up the phone. Oh, it's an opportunity. I'm going to drop everything I'm doing right now. I'm going to talk to this person for an hour. And then after they've exhausted everything that they want to tell you, uh, you get to this kind of uncomfortable silence and they say, well, so, you know, can you help us? And, okay, great. I will email you over a proposal sometime next week and then we'll go from there. And that's kind of the process that I see a ton of agencies follow or, you know, even early stage kind of freelancers who really don't know how to sell. It's like, great. They've told me everything that they need. Now I need to go away and come up with a proposal and I'll email that over to them and get on with my day. Right? So what I found is that worked uh, great for $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000 projects. Uh, where that did not work was when you're trying to get you know high value work. When it's with $10,000, $20,000, $50,000, $100,000 or more, uh, that process really starts to break down. So a lot of people that are using that process right now, even if they have an opportunity that has the budget, the willingness, um, to pay you fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand uh, dollars, if you're using that process on them, it will be very difficult to get them to sign a check uh, for fifty k after having one one hour meeting with you, where they told you everything they needed, um, but you didn't actually do any discovery, research, due diligence about their issues, problems, business, market opportunity, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's where I really had to learn how to create a new process or rather I didn't create a new process. I hired a bunch of really smart consultants and I paid them uh, tens and tens of thousands of dollars to work with me over the course of probably about two, two and a half years. Uh, and then the result of that was the interaction model, um, which is basically uh, what I, I've got a couple of courses that teach the exact model, but i um, happy to kind of run through some of the basics today. You talk about the shift up from the three to five K range to the low and even mid to high five figures. And a lot of that is about finding the clients you can actually afford that and who have a business that you can generate value to make it worth investing in that sort of a project. But if all you're doing is just finding the people who are able to afford it, but not changing anything else, you're not really going to have too much luck actually closing those deals. When you're working with these consultants, what what was that process like? When, when they're coming in, do you have like a steady flow of potential leads of prospects that you're reaching out to and it's just refining the process? Or what was that sort of phase like? Well, I think it's important to separate marketing 
and sales within an agency. And I think a lot of people, uh, I've ta- talked to this about with my community about um, that people, agency owners a lot of times merge these two things together. Like they go out and try to hire a sales rep. Sales rep starts working for the agency and then they say, okay, go find business. Shoo, get out of here. Go meet clients. Right? So they're asking the sales rep basically to be like a marketer, go out there and do uh, you know prospect generation, things like that. And follow, you know, a sales process to convert those leads into actual business, right? So I think there's, you know, there's a whole conversation around how to uh, generate the leads. That's consider. I consider that marketing. I consider that a strategy kind of conversation. But let's assume that you have. Um, leads coming into your business, then, you know, there's just some basic rules that I teach people. So, um, you know, one of those is, is relationships equal interactions over time. So in the example I gave you earlier, where we are having kind of the, the mega meeting with a client where we have one interaction with our client, and then we're trying to propose them, uh, you know, a $30,000 project, there's not a really great relationship tie there, just fundamental, like not talking about your cool solution, how much experience you have as an agency, you know, how awesome you are at design development or whatever your superpower is. Um, when there's not much of a relationship there, getting somebody to trust you to sign a five figure check or a six figure check is a very, very difficult thing. So just from a fundamental standpoint, if you're trying to get into the higher value work space, you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to have more interactions with your clients and you actually should just design your entire process around that. So we basically started designing our process around that where our interactions were uh, initially very short qualification, 15 or 20 minutes run out of time, right? You're like, Hey, let's have an initial conversation and see if it makes sense for us to even continue speaking with one another. And I had you know, a half dozen to a dozen different uh, questions that I could ask in that meeting, uh, most of which it was questions that were designed to try to give me kind of red flag responses. And that's the biggest mistake that I think a lot of people do is every opportunity, or I shouldn't say a lot of people. It was one of the big mistakes I was making, Andy, was every lead that came to the door, I put my absolute 100% effort behind trying to win that business, even if it was clear from the very first interaction that it was probably going to turn into a disaster. (laughs) I was just so hungry, you know, young and hungry for, for a new business. I just pursued everything and that wasted a lot of time and it also got really bad uh, deals into the pipeline that we ultimately won sometimes that created, you know, it would have been better off for us to if not you win. didn't win them. Right. right. So I'm looking at the flow chart you sent over of the interaction model and I'm looking at it and you have a distinction between qualification and discovery. And I know a lot of times those do get lumped in together. But for you, what you're saying is the first call after that initial contact, after you've at least shown that there's some interest that first call is purely about qualifying them to make sure it makes sense to go to the next step is that accurate right so i mean the first thing you always do is i always schedule an appointment i don't talk about anything unless it's a scheduled meeting on the calendar because i want to get my prospect into the habit of we schedule our time you don't just call me on a random Tuesday morning and I don't just carve out, you know, the next hour to speak with you. Like if you call me and say, hey, we'd like to hire your agency. Great. I'm crazy busy right now because that's how our agency rolls. I would love to schedule an, a 15 minute intro call just to get to know your business. See if, you know, it makes sense for us. I got a couple questions to ask you. Really isn't that big of a deal. I can schedule that with you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Does that work with you? I've got 15 minutes in between other client meetings that I can do an intro call with you ask you a few questions, and then we can kind of go from there, right? So you're setting the stage, right, that you schedule all of your appointments. You're setting the stage that you're busy, that you can't just drop what you're doing right now. You're doing other really important work for your client. So we move that, you know, unscheduled prospect or opportunity into a more scheduled uh, interaction. And that first uh, interaction is always qualification. It's not you trying to sell the business on why you're so great. It's you trying to ask questions that say, okay, is this person, could this be an ideal client for our business and how far away, you know, there's only a few clients you get over a given year that are your ultimate absolute ideal client, right? Everybody's maybe not quite the bullseye, but are they in the next ring? Are they in the next ring or are they on, are on the wall, right? They're like not even on the, 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 the dartboard, right? So your qualification is that first kind of shot across the bow to figure out, is this person, uh, 
a good enough fit for me to invest time in actually, you know, developing a relationship and doing sales discovery and whatnot. So qualification for me, uh, depending on what market we serve, we had different questions, but you know, some basic stuff. How long have you guys been in business? Uh, you know, about how big is your business? Is it one location? Do you have, how many employees do you have? If you can get into some basic revenue, are you guys a million dollar company? Are you a hundred million dollar company? Are you a billion dollar company? Like, do I need to look up your stock ticker? Right. Cause, cause if you, if I have to look up your stock ticker, you're probably not a great fit for our little agency. You might be depending on what you need, but that might be a red flag for me because we might not work with companies at that level. So again, it's figuring out like, does this person kind of fit your overall, uh, objective, Uh, as a business. So, you know, I had a handful of questions that I'd ask in that qualification stage. And if I was getting a lot of good indicators, then qualification that the tail end of that call kind of will go into, okay, now I need to pitch and build value for our discovery process. And I need to get you to commit to that. Basically, the first micro sale, if you will, is are you willing to invest your time? If you're not doing pay discovery, if you're you're doing free discovery, are you willing to invest your time to dive deep into your project and your business and see if we could help you at a larger scale, right? If you're doing paid discovery at that point, you're once you've qualified them, you're then going in and pitching them your paid discovery service. Um, and, and sometimes some of our, our graduates um, will actually schedule a a prepaid discovery discovery call, if that makes sense. So you'll qualify them. And if that works, hey, let's set up this additional call. We'll do some pre-discovery. And if we get to a lot of good answers there, uh, the next step from there would be a paid discovery engagement where you engage us for a period of, let's say, six weeks to really map out what we could do for you long term. Obviously, a paid discovery is not going to be the full scale of those six-figure projects, but it still is not always a small purchase. And you might need to be talking to someone for more than 20 minutes to actually get them to commit to that. So I think having that middle stage, if you are doing paid discovery, makes a lot of sense. And so the qualification It seems clear to me. It truly is what it sounds like. You're qualifying the lead to make sure that they are a good fit for your agency for what you do. And that doesn't just mean getting rid of the people who can't afford you. It also means making sure you're not kind of shooting above where you should and and can't actually serve some of those bigger clients. So it's finding that sweet spot. But once you have done that, once you have got the commitment for the discovery call, what does this actually look like? Because this is something that I, I don't think enough agencies, especially the ones that are on the smaller side and aren't charging in the five figures for their service, I I don't think they're as thorough here as they could be. So what do you look for in a proper discovery call? Well, what you're really trying to do is is get to what I consider true need um, and really make sure that if you are going to propose a solution that you clearly understand the problems that you the, the, the web pro, the agency owner, you understand their problems. If your client just comes to you, you know, I mean, over the years, there was the rare client that came to us that was super savvy, had done a needs analysis and had brought in a consultant and they presented us with a, here is basically our, the scope of work that we need to execute it because it's going to accomplish X, Y, Z for us. Like every once in a while that happens. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but uh, the other 99 out of 100 clients that come to you, have some ideas of some things they could do because they have some problems in their business and they don't really, they're not as, as savvy with digital marketing or with inbound marketing or with content marketing or with advertising or with websites as, as you are. They don't know everything that you do. They know uh, a little bit and they're, they have an idea like, hey, we need to redo our website because our website looks super out of date and we need somebody to come help us with that. So let's go get a quote for a website. Well, there's a lot of different types of websites we can build. And so is the issue that we're solving, is it a, you know, are we helping them attract new leads and customers through their website? Um, Because if that's the problem that we're trying to solve, before we commit to saying to a company, like, I'm going to help you solve a leads and customers problem by overhauling your website. If you commit to that solution for the client and you have not spent any time doing uh, research into who their customer is and how they buy, how they consume information, who their competition is, how the, the competition currently operates, um, what kind of strategies and tactics seem like they could be good ideas in this market, which ones could be bad ideas. Um, you know, if you don't have not done that due diligence and you're putting a solution on the table where the client's going to pay you $30,000 for a new website and they think the website's going to help them solve 
leads and customers problem. And if you don't know how it's going to do that before you commit to that project and you don't help them achieve that goal, it's going to turn into a blemish on your company, right? You're, you're not going to be able to get more clients like them or they're just going to be insanely unhappy with you, right? Because, but now you might say, well, I didn't know about that problem, right? I didn't know that they were trying to get more leads and customers from their website, which of course is on the agency, right? Because you didn't do good discovery on that. So um, what, what discovery is, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a mutually agreeable process that you, it's not a process that you go through. It's not a process that the client goes through. It's a process you guys go through together to uncover true need in the business and figure out why they're really there and get really deep on that. It's not good enough just to say they're trying to get more customers. You have to understand that they're trying to get a certain type of customer for a certain type of product or service that's going to help their business you know, grow by XYZ, right? You have to really get to that underlying um, driver for why they're going to be spending five or six figures with your company. And say you're doing that and it's not paid discovery. It's just standard uh, free discovery process. Does this all happen in one call? No. So (laughs) that's why uh, you definitely have, whether it's paid or not, um, I always tell people it's, it's, um, I've never been that concerned about um, deciding whether it's paid or not. I think if you're doing really good qualification and you're, you're, you're focused in a market and you um, you know have a good sales funnel, uh, and you're making the decision after every discovery interaction, like should I continue with this opportunity? Like yes, no, not just should I just keep doing this because I told them I would. But if you're really um, good about that, you know some people are super successful at not doing it in, in a paid way. Um, some people are, are are more successful having paid discovery engagements. I've seen it work both ways. I've seen certain people that are getting six and seven figure work where the industry they serve just doesn't do paid discovery. Um, so it kind of depends on, on your specific situation. But your discovery interactions need to be, you need to have multiple interactions. Back to that uh, kind of golden law of selling that I was telling you, relationships equal interactions over time. So your process needs to be designed in a way where you have an opportunity to have three or four interactions at a minimum with your client before you're proposing something. And there's some reasons behind that. One is that people just need to have multiple interactions with you in order to build that relationship and that trust. Um, Both you having a relationship with your client and also your client having uh, a relationship with you, like feeling like they can trust you um, when somebody has seen how you show up let's say over the course of three meetings, you know, you're early, you're prepared, you're presentable, uh, you're very consistent, you're leading them through a process. Uh, These are all things that are going to come out kind of subconsciously to that client. They're going to be like, okay, like this guy is showing up totally different than the other 10 web guys that we're trying to hire. You know, he's really taking charge or she's really leading us through a process that's educating us and is informative and, and they're, you know, showing up on time and presentable and they, you know, have done research and, um, and those are all really cool things, uh, to kind of build that underlying trust that you need with somebody to get that five or six figure check. Um, you know, you can't, uh, in my experience, if you have multiple interactions with somebody and even if you're presenting them the craziest, coolest stuff that they've ever seen, if you know, you're late, if you're, uh, you know, not, um, prepared, right? These are all kind of strikes against you. So when you are prepared and you are on time and you are presentable, um, even if your discovery process isn't even a hundred percent spot on, those other factors will kind of build some trust and credibility, uh, with your prospect and it will set you apart from your competition. And it'll show, Hey, look, I have a thorough process that I'm going to take you through. When you guys sign on to do business with me, I'm also going to take you through a very thorough process. That's just, I'm not just winging it, right? It's something that I've done many, many times. And I'm going to, I'm going to lead you through this, this thing that might be confusing or overwhelming to you, but I'm going to show you, show you the way. And that process starts the second somebody knocks on your door. It's funny that you, you say it like that because it's something that so many agency owners don't take as seriously as they should is having that clear process for how you work with a client. And I mean, in my opinion, as you gain experience, as you keep delivering certain services to certain types of clients, you're going to refine the way you work with them. And a true expert, though, 
is going to have a clear process for what they do. Because even if they might not be, even if someone doesn't like have a written out process, even if they don't necessarily have like a flow chart of at this point we do this and then that and then that, the client still wants to feel like you know what's going on, that you truly are an expert. And if you are scattered, if you show up for a call without clear objectives, if they don't know where things stand at any given time, they're really going to question that expertise. And that is not the way to close and maintain those five and six figure deals. Andy, you're spot on. I mean, it's, it's uh, like I tell people, you know, you're, you're, your process from end to end with the client. Like don't have a really well thought out project management process, but not a really well thought out, you know, sales process and just hope that, hey, you know, the, the real work starts once you guys sign on the dotted line. Um, even for yourself, you need to protect your agency and you need to protect it from the clients that don't follow your instruction, don't take your lead, are complete, you know, uh, in our community, they call them PETA clients, right? Pain in the whatever clients, right? Um, and, and, and you want to protect your company from those types of clients because just one of those, and I've heard this story from so many companies, uh, just one of those types of clients that really, if the project really goes off the rails, if the relationship really goes off the rails, it can sink your business. And I've, and I've watched that happen to people. So for me, I, I was always trialing my clients, like discovery, going and meeting with your client. And, and this, this would always happen. So if you're going to go through a multi-interaction discovery process, uh, you will get people that say things like, can't you just give me a proposal? Why do I have to have so many meetings with you? Right? And, and these are signs right from the start that they aren't willing to trust your process. So I almost looked at the interaction model as I'm going to have you jump through some hoops, right? Obviously, I didn't say that, but I'm going to have you jump through some hoops. I want to see how you take our lead Um, because if I'm telling you, if if you're going to hold me accountable for driving more uh, people into your restaurant, if that's what you're going to pay me a ton of money to help you with and you're going to hold me accountable to that, then there are going to be times where I ask you to do things that you might not be uncomfortable with or you might not be 100% uh, behind the idea because you you haven't experienced it yet, right? So I have to be confident that my client is going to let me uh, lead the way when appropriate. And if they're constantly fighting me, like, oh, can't you just get me a quote? It's just going to it's going to really tell you about how um, they're going to act as as a client later on down the road. Like, why you know you always wonder why do I have all these clients that are you know total pains and problems like, well, because you sign contracts with all of them without, without vetting them out. Uh, and, and so when we actually at you gurus now I've gone to, you know, hire companies to do a variety of different services. And as a more experienced entrepreneur, I am begging for the agencies that I want to hire to do great discovery because I've, I've been in this situation before. I'm like, are you sure you understand this problem? Are you really sure? Because I'm telling you right now, this is a really hard problem to solve. And you're, you're nodding your head and saying, I understand this problem and I can solve this for you. And, you know, of course, you get later on down the road and then they're like, well, this problem seems harder than we originally thought. Well, it's like, great. You could have figured that out a while ago, right? So I think most really good business owners that have real problems that are willing to invest the money and time to solve those problems and they're intentional about it and they're great clients to work with, like those types of clients respond so well to discovery. And that's what we thought, What that's what we found over and over was that when we take somebody through discovery that is going to become a great client from the very first interactions, they're giving us a lot of positive feedback. They're saying things like, God, I love this process. Like nobody else is doing this for us or I'm learning so much along this way. Like we can't wait to work with you. You know, like those are great things to hear from a client and you'll start to hear them. And those are kind of in in, in the diagram I forwarded you. There's almost kind of this like red light, green light thing. And if you start to get friction, when when people would start telling me like, can I just get a proposal? That was always like my point where I put my hands up and say, look, it sounds like we're probably going to be a bad fit because you know, you're looking for a commodity you're looking for somebody just to bang out a website for you. And we don't sell a commodity. We don't just sell web design. We're here to solve real problems in your business. And if you can't, if you won't let us do that for you, then it's probably not going to work out for us. And you either one of two things is going to happen at that moment. Either they'll say, thank you for being upfront and we'll see you later. Or they'll say, wait, wait, hold on. 
we really do want to work with you. We really like your portfolio, your clients. Uh, wait, just tell us what we need to do. Maybe we are, we got off the wrong foot, right? So I would just always be like very standoffish if if I started getting those kind of red flag indicators. And I mean, you hit on so much there, but one of the big things I want to emphasize is that as you're moving up the value ladder in terms of the projects you're delivering for your clients and the fees that you're charging for them, you can't truly sell a value-based project if you don't fully understand the problem that you're solving. If someone comes to you and say they want a website, you can't just build them a website and then say, all right, this is going to, let's look at your business quickly. I'll do some math and I'm going to charge 15K. I think that's going to, you're going to get an ROI on that. Like you need to have some serious discovery to truly understand not just the value you can provide, but how you can provide that value in the client. So they want to see that too, because they don't want someone to come in who's just going to build a website for them. And if they do, like you said, they're probably not a good fit. So the discovery phase, in my opinion, is so crucial to actually figuring out what that ideal solution is. I'm going to stop Brent right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting the insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now, but what you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent that makes it easier for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay big fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting your jobs. That's talent.hubstaff.com. All right, let's get back to Brent. So say the client has, the prospect has made it through those phases of the discovery and things are looking good. You know, you can provide value for them. They're on board, no red flags. What happens next? So if you get to the point, and and again, discovery goes on for as long as it needs to. I think that's important. People are like, how many discovery meetings do I have? It's like, well, it, I, don't, I don't know. Depends on the client. We had one of our graduates. She, she did a paid discovery engagement. She got paid eight or $9,000 just to do discovery for a client. Uh, she ultimately had 16 meetings, uh, 16 meetings from any, anywhere from one to two hours each. And those were meetings with um, the key stakeholders in the organization as well as uh, some customers. They actually went that far to talk with people that were uh, using the website and that they were trying to um, solve some problems for. And they learned a ton in that process, right? And they got paid 8000 bucks to do that discovery. And uh, ultimately, they ended up winning a $116,000 engagement. So, um, you know, how many discovery meetings did you have? Like, I, I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. But what, let's assume you go through discovery and you have identified what we consider to be true need. Like you really understand the problems that exist in the business and you understand why those problems are existing and you have a good solution for them um, that's going to help them solve that problem. So what we do is do what we call a solutions presentation. This is kind of pre-proposal. This is what I'd consider to be the, uh, the, the softball or the soft pitch um, to see if what you have... Um, put together what you've identified about their customer, their market, their business, their problems, etc. Like you're pulling everything from discovery into a presentation. And that presentation basically is going to walk through, um, you know, the problems that exist, the market, the, you know, if you can quantify how much these problems are costing the business, if you can quantify what kind of opportunity you think by solving these problems, they'll be able to achieve and also walk through some, um, fundamental ideas behind your solution. We're going to build you a website. That website's going to have a funnel. Uh, that website's going to have, you know, these are the five steps we're going to Im- implement on the website using this type of a strategy, et cetera. And we think it's going to cost about this much money for us to do that, right? And this is like a high-level talk of, you know, are we on the same page? Are we in the same ballpark? Because um, I know you guys came to us and said, you have, you know, you want a new website for 10 grand. But when we got into discovery, you told us all these other things. And in order for us to solve these other things and the thing you came to us for, it's going to be more like 50. 
should we go into a, a deeper dive proposal and come up with a scope of work and, and go that that far, right? And so it's kind of a uh, a soft close, if you will. So if somebody says, "Great, we're in the same ballpark," let's get more specific. You know, at that point, you'd basically move to the next stage, which would be a proposal presentation. Uh, and if you're in a market that requires some type of more robust contracts, then you know you might then go to a contract negotiation stage. Uh, I like how you phrase it as kind of that soft close. You're making sure like, all right, this is what we figured out. Are we in the same ballpark right now? And if so, move on to the formal proposal. And if not, okay, that's fine. I'm glad we figured that out before more time was invested. But at that actual proposal presentation, if you are in the same ballpark, this is another thing I know you are very particular about is that you're not just emailing them over the proposal, are you? You got to present your proposal. So this is one of our other golden laws of, of selling, which is always present your proposal. Uh, and this is, this is the thing that you don't want to outsource to your inbox. You spent so much time going through discovery, figuring out what the pains and problems are, really understanding your client's business, their market. You've learned the lingo. You've learned the, the people's names in the room, whatever, right? Like you've done your due diligence and, and this is your time that you get to like sell. Like you get to sit in front of your client and wow them with everything that you know about why they're going to invest all this money. And it just, it never surprises me or, you know, it always surprises me that people are willing to, you know, email that over to somebody um, and, and just never actually get an opportunity to present to them. And presenting the proposal is not reading your client the proposal. It's it's kind of a little bit different, right? So we we tell people a couple things. First, we we run the rule uh, from Simon Sinek that people don't buy what you do or how you do it; they buy why you do something. So your proposal is the proposal presentation is the opportunity you get to really put the why behind the because we're doing this thing. We're putting Google Analytics with goal trackers because one of your key uh, one of your KPIs is uh, website leads and website sales, and we need to be able to track that for your business to have that dashboard, and so you can hold us accountable to this goal. Right? Google Analytics is the scope of work item. But then the why behind it is the KPIs, right? So you want to be able to go through and really tell your client about all that stuff. You get to you know present and kind of sell, um, if you will. And then the other piece that we tell people is show, not tell. So when you're going through a proposal presentation, there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff in your proposal that your client maybe doesn't really know or doesn't have experience with. There could be technical terms, platforms. I gave Google, Google Analytics as an example you know, they might go, Oh, that's great. Like you're going to install Google analytics, right? But if you have an opportunity to basically pop open another window and go, here is our Google analytics goal funnel that we did for this business or for our own business. And the client gets to see part of the solution as you're running through this presentation, that's going to make your proposal come to life for them. Uh, and so I always love to use storytelling. I love to use case studies. I love to use kind of some show and tell examples so that by the time I'm done with my proposal presentation, the client's like, holy you know, crap, this company is doing something completely different than every other company that we're potentially gonna, you know, getting pitches from. I, in, in the, the sentence I always want them to say is, gosh, you guys are so much more expensive than everybody else we're talking to, but now we understand why. When they are talking with other agencies in a lot of companies are going to be, it's, it's not going to be too common, especially when the projects get bigger, that they're only talking to you depending on how it all worked out. But this is just having this clear process and demonstrating the value of why you're worth so much. You've summed it up exactly right. It's they know you're expensive because they've seen quotes that are nowhere near what you're charging, but they get it. And, and after you've explained it all to them in this way, it's going to be very hard for them to go back to one of the other agencies who doesn't quite get it like you do. It, it, it will be. And I always give them a caution. I say, look, if you guys are trying to go, let's say one of their problems was to get more leads or get more customers problem. And, and by the end of the proposal presentation, you know, I could say something like, if you guys are, you know, when you came to us, you wanted a website. And I think what you realize now is you need something much more than that to accomplish the goals that you guys have set out to. If you have other quotes from companies, 
that are not this thorough, that are not speaking to the goals and objectives that you guys have set out to do, my recommendation would be to not move forward with any of us versus move forward with the company that's just providing you a website because it's going to be wasted money. If you're going to spend 5K with them, uh, you'd be better off flushing that money down the toilet. Um, And so if you guys are not ready to move forward with a solution like ours, then, you know, wait, wait until you are ready, right? Because the website you guys have today might be just as effective as some other website that just looks a little prettier, right? Um, So wait. And if you guys aren't ready to move forward with us today, then wait another six months, wait nine months until you have the investment ready, because this investment for your business is going to dictate how some of your, uh, the successes that you guys have over the next three to five years, you know, come into your business. Right. And so we'd get all the time. People would be like, we weren't planning on spending 30 K. And so, you know, we'll get back to you and, you know, okay, great. Let's schedule a a 30 minute meeting in a month. And, uh, and then those people would say, you know what, we're taking your advice. We're not moving forward. We think we can have this, you know, budgeted for in Q3. Okay, great. I can wait, you know, three months for that deal, uh, to move forward in the right way for that client. So that would happen to us all the time where we'd convince the client that they needed a high value solution and then a commodity solution was not going to cut it for them and it would be a complete waste of money. And that's a great place to be in, a great position to be in with your clients. And I mean, that ties into the other golden sales laws that even at this point, you're never leaving a meeting without scheduling another meeting. As, as long as a person, the lead isn't uh, disqualified, even if they say they're not ready yet, you're still moving the ball forward and keeping them in contact with you. Right, because if, if somebody is not willing to schedule with me, that means that I have to chase them or that means that I have this, you know, now I have this pit in my stomach, you know, every week that I have to think about, well, what business could come in this week? I don't know. I, you know, that just and we all know what that pit feels like when it's just we don't know what's going to come next. And so if somebody is not willing to schedule a meeting with me, even a check-in call, thir- you know, 30 days out. 30 minutes to just let's put it on the calendar. I don't want to hassle you. I don't want to email you. I don't want to like call you every week between now and infinity to see how you're doing on this on this project. If they're not willing to schedule that 30 minutes with me, that usually means that there is another objection that I have not overcome yet. And they're actually they are potentially ejecting from the deal at that time. So this uh, getting them to schedule a 15 or 30 minute meeting next week, next month or whatever, uh, if they're unwilling to do that, then that's an opportunity for you to drill into kind of like, well, hey, you know what? I'm just kind of curious. Like a 15-minute check-in like isn't that big of a deal. If you guys aren't willing to schedule that time with me, it sounds like maybe you're not, you know, you don't want to move forward and you're not seeing the value in this. Uh, am I off base here, right? And that that's an opportunity for them to say, you know, and I've gotten the craziest responses from this type of question because literally they'll be like, well, you know, yeah, like this other company was going to actually help us out with some video stuff and we're leaning that direction. And I'll be like, excuse me, like video? (laughs) You didn't bring up video at all during the whole process. Like what the heck, right? And so they're not telling you the real objection and they're just turning you down for your, your appointment. And so if you ever get turned down for that, that next meeting to get scheduled, um, that to me is always a sign that there's probably something else up, and and you just you can dig into it. You can actually instead of waiting to you know to not hear back from them for two or three months, and then to finally get the email, we've decided to go with somebody else. You can kind of dig into that right then and see if there's an opportunity to salvage that or figure that out. But if somebody's not willing to keep those those meetings scheduled with me, then um, I just take them out of my pipeline. Prior to this stage, so prior to the proposal presentation, how do you overcome or just avoid the issue where the client says, if you have the proposal already, can you just send it over to me? Or at least I, I want to review it before the call. Just not how we work. How are you at least phrasing it? Because obviously, <laughs> and I'm not trying to get too focused on the details here, but obviously you can go back to that's not how we work, but is there a way that you can kind of present it so that it lessens the chance of those types of objections? So I think the key thing is, I mean, this meeting is not scheduled before you create, or I'm sorry, after you create the proposal. It's not like you create the proposal and email the client. Hey, I've created my proposal. Let's meet now. Like you're scheduling that meeting either if you're doing solutions presentations, which aren't necessarily required, um, but it is a suggested step in our process. But after discovery, if you're ready to basically, you know, 
the next step at that stage, whatever it is, whether you're doing solutions presentations or you're going right to a proposal, um, which are there, there's workable ways to, to do both of those. As the deals get bigger, you want to do solutions presentations, but you're scheduling that proposal presentation in that session. So you're basically saying, you know, and by now, your op, your prospect has gotten very used to your approach. You're scheduling these meetings. You're taking them through the process. So at that solution presentation stage, you're saying, okay, we're ready to work on a proposal to for you. Uh, we'd like to present that proposal to you next Tuesday at 3 p.m. And here's what that meeting is going to look like. We're going to basically walk through our entire proposal. We're going to show you examples and have some uh, additional uh, resources kind of backing up our solution for you. We're going to review pricing and investment and timeline. We're going to make sure at every stage going through this proposal that we're uh, on track to what you actually want to achieve with your project. And we're going to have plenty of time for questions. And uh, at the end of that, that meeting, you'll, we'll give you all of the resources that we'll, we will have presented to you at that time. Uh, so you're really, you know, selling your next interaction. Right. You're making it about the value is more than just a proposal. Exactly. So at every stage, and, and this is important if I wasn't emphasizing this enough, but at every stage, when you commit to going to the next stage with your client, you are selling them on that next kind of micro interaction. Um, you're, you're building value for that next thing that you're going to be doing for them. If you haven't done discovery yet, you have to sell them on the value of discovery. You can't just be like, we do discovery. And your client's like, well, what's that? Like, can't you just give me a proposal? No, we do discovery. Well, can't you give me a proposal? No, we do discovery. It's like you have to go into what is the the problem that exists that discovery solves for their business. What's the value going to be for them? What's the finished story benefit? At the end of discovery, what are they going to know now that they didn't know today, right? And so the same thing comes when it's time to present the proposal or talk about presenting the proposal. You're selling them on the value of that meeting. Um, and if you don't do that, if you just say, well, we always present proposals and they're like, well, can you just email? Well, we always present pr- proposals. <laughs> you know, like you're, if you haven't sold them on the value of it, then you're going to get a lot of those objections. And, um, and I'm kind of, I, I've done this like a thousand times. So I, it was very second nature to me to always sell the next interaction with them. Uh, but for some people, they see our diagrams or they go through our course and they, they kind of forget that component. They're just kind of going through the motions, expecting that their prospect is just going to follow the instructions. Uh, but people have to be sold on on everything. It's like what you were saying before, though, is that they're buying the why. Even for these interactions, you need to explain why you're doing it, not just what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, even if you're a project manager, uh, you know, and you have a process that you want a client to follow, um, you need to tell them why, you know, they should or shouldn't do certain things. And actually, you know, the, we're currently going through a, a rebrand for our company and, and the agency that we chose is like, you know, they, they follow our stuff to a T uh, and they, they have a really great process. And they literally, before every single one of our interactions, even in, um, in, in their like delivery process, they would walk through like why we were doing this step. So like when it came to design revisions, like they would say, this is what this is. This is what this is not. This is why we're doing this. Like don't take this logo comp and go show your random friend, Bob, uh, who has not been a part of this whole process. If you want Bob to jump into the process, great. Like let's, let's get him caught up on 20 hours of branding discovery. And then he, we can hear Bob's opinion. Right. And so I think that that's, uh, you know, important for you in your entire sales process as well as always to make sure that you're, setting expectations of what it is what it isn't and and why you're doing it i think that's huge and the way they did that that's so smart and i can just immediately see how that just eases and reassures the client at every step of the process once someone has gotten the proposal once all this has happened are things wrapping up now is it sort of just an issue of getting the payment and, and kicking off or what happens after that they could for sure. So you could get to that proposal presentation and at the end, you know, you say, that's our solution. We'd like to move forward. Are you guys ready to move forward on this? Uh, and there's, you know, you, you can either get savvy with closing techniques or just be a total consultative selling person that just says like, are you, you know, asking for the business clearly. Uh, don't beat around the bush. Don't be like, uh, and let us know what you think, right? I mean, just are you guys ready to move forward? Will you sign this today? And if they say no, then you need to understand why they're telling you no. Is it no, um, we need to have other stakeholders involved? 
Um, and, and that's again, a great place to, you know, if all of a sudden they're, they're like, no, we're not ready to move forward on this today. We have to, you know, give this to the CEO, Bob. And you're like, what? Like Bob, he hasn't, you know, why wasn't Bob a part of this process earlier? You obviously can't get mad at your client at that point, but at that point you might say, well, okay, look, we need to carve out some additional time to bring that stakeholder in and do some, some proposal Q and a, and maybe get Bob caught up on some discovery stuff to make sure he understands why, why we're we cost a lot more and the types of problems we're gonna we're gonna solve for you guys um and it, and it might turn out for a larger project or a more uh, complex project um you might just have additional proposal presentations and this the example i gave you earlier the the graduate we had that signed the hundred and sixteen thousand dollar project um they said look we need you to come and present this a couple more times to other key stakeholders so literally it was like great let's schedule those proposal presentations she was doing the exact same thing but with other stakeholders in the room answering their questions their objections there was like a finance board there was there's other people that had to make that decision and so you have to be open to that if that if that's the case you know, I mean, it still goes back to the why. It, this is the the diagram, the flowchart that you've built out, but it's not like it should just be followed blindly. It really comes down to figuring out right, why are each of these stages, why are all of these interactions valuable in making sure you've achieved the goal of each of them. And if you haven't, and there's still something there, still worth moving forward, you don't just move on just because the flowchart says so. <laughs> you really need to then figure out, all right, how do we get where we need to be? Exactly. And and I have, um, you know, with our, our bootcamp program where we're working with people like one-on-one, every once in a while somebody does something and I'm like, ah, like, you know, okay, teachable moment, right? But I've had people say things like, well, I just did, you know, six hours worth of discovery uh, and they told me that the project was, was way too expensive, way outside of their budget. And, you know, when we first did qualification and got into our first discovery meeting, at that time, they told me that we had a $2,000 budget and I asked them if that was possible for them to increase that budget and they said no. And I kept going through discovery and I pitched this $10,000 project and they said no. And I'm going, what? Like, why didn't you stop discover? Well, I thought that if I went through this process that it would, con- it would, they would see the value. And I'm going like, you gotta like, you know, turn the lights on in there and realize that, you know, we don't want to, you know, the purpose of our interaction model, the purpose of teaching people how to sell is not so that you can, you know, pull the wool over people's eyes or, you know, uh, kind of trick them into paying you a lot of money to do something. It's to make sure you're getting to those, those true needs. It's to make sure that the solution that you're providing them is going to provide a great ROI for that business or organization and that you've quantified that, that you've mitigated the risks for them and that you've really brought them along with you so that by the time they sign on with your, your agency, they're now at your level. They're at least as close to your level as they can be um, at that point. And you've really paved the way to have an amazing project experience. Um, and one of the reasons that we created our program uh, in, in a 10-week uh, model where every week you're working with a mentor is because these interactions, if you have a, a live lead, a live you know prospect coming through your business while you're going through our program, one of the reasons that our program has been so successful for so many people is that we are literally holding your hand through the individual interactions and making sure to kind of be in the weeds with you while you're going through it. Because there's so many things, just like you've said, there's so many things that could happen in the real world that this one page diagram doesn't necessarily solve for them, that they have to have a mentor, somebody that's been through it, you know, hundreds of times to be able to guide them. I mean, this was one of the denser interviews I've done. And I I say that in a very good way, if that's possible, because honestly, you walked us through this process and I've talked to a lot of agency experts, agency owners, consultants, whoever, about their sales process. And this is one of the ones that has been probably the clearest for me. And I think you provided a ton of value. So first, I just want to say thanks for that. But second, to kind of back things up a little bit, because there was a lot there. What is one thing that listeners can do to just get started building a better sales process in their own agency? So the first thing that we ask when we do our sales modules in bootcamp that we ask every uh, one of our, our folks going through our program to do is to um, draw their process as it stands today. So just to become conscious of what they're doing right now. So I know that every one of you might have 
a different process that you're you know following for each client. Um, but look at your last like four or five deals that you won and write on a piece of paper like a, a blank white sheet or a whiteboard or whatever. And just map out your process as it stands today. Because um, that's that's like the first key step is just getting conscious of what you're doing right now uh, and, and making sure you're at least you know aware of that. And then the next thing that you can do is start to improve that process, hopefully by taking you know a, a program like we have or there's a lot of sales programs out there, but then looking at, at those programs and, and thinking about how you can actually improve um, you know, what you have today. So what we usually try to do with people is not have them come into uh, our program and just totally like slam them through this like massively different process. What we usually try to do is have them, we look at where, what they're doing right now, what they're comfortable with. And then we start to kind of augment that in steps so that they can build up confidence and, and, you know, get to where they ultimately want to go. So take the example that I gave earlier where somebody signed a $116,000 project. Um, that was not her first go at the interaction model. You know, the first time she did it, she probably went from, okay, I'm doing, you know, one meeting to let's do three meetings where we're doing a qualification, one discovery meeting, and a proposal presentation. So one meeting to three meetings. Okay, I can do that. Just that shift right there is going to have a phenomenal impact on your uh, the opportunities that you're pursuing. Once you've done three interactions with the client, now let's let's figure out how to unpack that maybe to a fourth interaction and go deeper into discovery or add a solutions presentation. So adding these things over time as you get more comfortable with it is, is kind of our approach. If you take somebody that's never done discovery before and they currently have a one meeting wonder process and you ask them to do an eight or nine meeting process with probably maybe the wrong type of client to begin with, um, you know, they're going to get frustrated really quickly. So we just, we kind of advocate a, a slow, uh, a slow uh, transition stage. Some people come in and they're just high risk takers and they just go all in. But a lot of people that are selling a thousand dollar projects add a little bit of our process to their mix. And then they're selling $3,000 projects. They add a little bit more and they're selling $6,000 projects. I mean, that process is so smart. That gradual, iterative approach is so smart. And I think that's a good way for agency owners to get their feet wet with it without having to necessarily dive in fully. If agency owners that are listening want to get more details, they want to learn more about not just the interaction model, but all of the ways that you gurus can help agency owners build better agencies, what is the best thing for them to do? Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys liked what you heard today and you want... um I've got this five-hour course. It's called the Web Design Sales Kit. It's uh, it's usually 197 bucks, but any anybody that's listening to your podcast, all they have to do is just uh, email me and say, "Hey, I want that course." And that's actually a five-hour uh, video course with resources and downloads to kind of teach you this process at more depth. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to provide that to you guys at no cost. Just shoot me an email, Brent at yougurus dot com, um, and. Uh, I'll also throw in a, a strategy call on top of that. So a 60 minute strategy call to help them out. Um, and then I'll give it to you for your show notes. But if, if you want an easier link to, to get that, um, I can give that to you for, for the show notes if, if they don't want to email me directly, but I'm happy to have any of your audience just shoot me an email. Awesome. Well, Brent, that was very generous of you. I hope a lot of people do take advantage of that because there is a lot there. You know what you're doing because you've done it yourself and you've worked with so many other agencies. So please take advantage of that generous offer that Brent just gave us. But Brent, it was a lot of fun chatting. I appreciate you staying a few minutes extra and and going past the deadline. But honestly, this was a really fun interview. So thanks again for coming on the show. My pleasure, Andy. I'm so glad that Brent opened up about his methods with us today because that made for a great interview. And no matter how good your marketing is or how tight your positioning statement is, if you're trying to sell a $30,000 project the same way you sell a $3,000 project, you're just not going to succeed beyond a random fluke or two. To make these larger sales, you need to build a real relationship with your prospects and Brent laid out a proven system you can follow to do just that. First, have a short 10 to 20 minute call to qualify the prospect. If you aren't a good fit, and this goes both ways, save yourself some headaches and end things early by pointing them in the right direction and moving on. 
Second, it's time for discovery. And whether or not you decide to charge for discovery, you still need to learn about their business and their specific problem in order for you to actually put together the right solution. This phase takes as long as it has to in order for you to uncover the ultimate problem that needs to be solved. And remember, never leave a meeting without scheduling the next one. Third, present the solution. And this isn't where you give the proposal. Instead, it's where you lay out what you're going to do, how it's going to help them solve the problem, and just make sure you're both in the same ballpark before going forward with that formal proposal. If you are in the same ballpark, then it's time for the fourth step, which is presenting the proposal. And you never want to email it to them or otherwise send it to them when you're not there to present it. You've invested a ton into putting together this proposal, so you need to make sure it's delivered to them in the most effective way. And that involves you personally walking through it and really bringing it to life. Finally, you go for the close. And honestly, none of this is rocket science or out of the reach for any agency out there, but it is probably a big departure from how you're approaching sales right now. And maybe you're doing a lot of these things intuitively, but you probably don't have a system that helps make sure you do this every single time. And don't try to implement all of this overnight. Instead, just commit to building more structure around how you sell and set aside the time to review the results and make adjustments as needed. Brent's framework is a great guide, but ultimately you need to adapt it to how you and your agency work. However you decide to act on this though, hopefully it's clear that you need to do something to start adding more process to the way you sell. If you enjoyed this episode, tune in to episode 37, which was Brent's first interview, and he covers a lot of other systems you can implement to help build a more profitable agency. That's all I have for you this week. If your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tired of paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. That's talent.hubstaff.com. I'll talk to you next week. See ya. See ya.